Greetings, greetings. God bless you. God bless you. Welcome to another episode of The Watchman's Alert. I am the Watchman, Apostle K, Apostle Kayam, Elder Shepherd. Yeah, yeah, all of those. Elder Kayam. Yeah, Brother K, all of those. Welcome, welcome. Nevertheless, let's get right to it. I'm coming to you live and direct. We're going to talk about tonight something that needs to be talked about, as always. We're going to talk about a season of suffering, a season of suffering. I know, I know. You want to hear about uh, God's got a blessing with your name on it. You want to hear about new seasons. You want to hear about going to another level. You want to hear about your greater is on the way. I'm sorry, not sorry. I got to get you ready. I got to get you ready. So, um, you know what the watchman does when he sees danger coming, he got to alert the village. I got to see why y'all sleep. I got to be watching for you. So, look, we got to talk about suffering. I know I don't want to talk about it, but we got to talk about it tonight. Amen. So let's talk about suffering. It's a season of suffering. The Bible says there's a time and a season for everything under the sun. It's a season for suffering. Yeah, we're right at the door. So listen, nobody enjoys suffering. Nobody, nobody. And most people around the world recognize that suffering is normal. Every true believer recognizes that suffering is a normal part of living in a fallen world. How many of you know we live in a fallen world? But here, we live in with our Western culture. On the other hand, we have glorified the values of safety. We glorified the values of comfort. Uh, we glorified the values of convenience. That anything less than that now is regarded as something uh, that goes against. It's a human rights violation for suffering. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the idea that people have a right to a secure and healthy life is an attitude that unfortunately have crept into the church. And the extreme example of this is the prosperity gospel, the name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, bind it, loose it, uh, uh, lean it, deem it, lean on it, rock on it. You know, all of that. Yeah, that's, that's the extreme example of it. And so what that does is it communicates that God wants us to be healthy. Uh, he wants us to be wealthy and happy all the time. Whistling Dixie, right? And even uh, among the more biblically orthodox Christians, uh, there is an unspoken idea that God somehow promises to protect us from suffering. But baby, let me let you in on a little secret. Can I let you in on a little secret? You can walk around with Psalms 91 opened up on the dashboard of your car. You can walk around with Psalms 91 plastered to your forehead. You can have Psalms 91 on your living room table. You can still, your house can still burn down. You can still be in a car wreck. You can still be in an accident. Are you hearing me? And so the result of all of this is the absence of teaching we need teaching. Y'all know we need teaching on the presence and the role of suffering in the life of a Christian and the crisis of faith that comes along with suffering. 
is anybody hearing me in the world today? So we got to understand that suffering is normal in a fallen world. We live, I got to say it again, I probably said a couple more times, uh, suffering is normal in a fallen world. So the Bible regards suffering as normal. I know they didn't tell you that. I know the bishop didn't tell you that. I know they didn't tell you that. But suffering biblically is normal. So part of this suffering comes from the fact that we live in a fallen world. And this kind of suffering falls on Christians and non-Christians alike. It rains on the just and the unjust. Y'all know this. And because of the rebellion of Adam and Eve against God, the physical world itself was subject to corruption and decay, according to Romans chapter 8 and 18. So as a result, things like disease and natural disasters happen to everybody. Amen. Amen. And so, yeah, we got modern science and technology and modern science and technology has developed to the point that we can shield ourselves uh, from some of the consequences of this corruption and decay. Some of it. However, we can't eliminate them entirely. We see in this today, right? Hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes all over the world. Uh, without the, And they don't discriminate between believers and unbelievers. And we are completely powerless to stop these anomalies. Y'all see it. We're completely powerless. And, and, and look at how we, the technology we have today. We can now cure or prevent a lot of diseases. You don't even hear about AIDS anymore or people, the spread of AIDS like it used to be. People are not really dying like they used to of AIDS. But that don't stop both Christians and non-Christians alike from developing cancer, from developing diabetes, from dying of heart attacks, uh, from having strokes. That Christians die, non-Christians die, all the same issues. And so you gotta understand that the sinfulness of men and women adds human violence and oppression all into this dark picture, right? And so now we got crime, we got war, we got oppression are part of life all over the world. So eventually all of us, I don't care how saved you are, all of us die, right? Sometimes some of us die slowly and painfully as a result of the rebellion of our first parents, Adam and Eve. So it's true that God and his incredible mercy, his mercy is incredible, undoubtedly really does protect us from a lot of these consequences of the fall in this world. But he does not ever promise in his word, nowhere in the scriptures, that he'll protect us from physical injury, from illness, and he allows all of us to die. Yeah, so this kind of suffering is normal. Uh, it's a normal part of life in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world, right? So for followers of Jesus Christ, however, the picture is even more sobering. I know, I know, I know. I, I, don't be depressed. Pray, pray, pray. So the, back, the Bible actually promises us persecution and suffering for our faith. The world, beloved, is in rebellion against God. It hates God, the God of our Father, the God of our Savior, Lord and Jesus Christ. It hates God. And when God came as a man in the person of Jesus Christ, 
the world responded by murdering him. And Jesus promised us that the world would treat us the same way it treated him. He told us that in John 15. So the first followers of Christ consistently experienced suffering for the sake of Jesus. They, they experienced suffering in Jerusalem. They experienced suffering in Galatia. They experienced suffering in Philippi. They experienced suffering in Thessalonica. They experienced suffering in Asia Minor, along with the recipients of the letters that were written to uh, the Christians in the book of Hebrews. Amen. Paul, the apostle, went through horrible sufferings. He gave his resume. He didn't give his resume about sitting at the feet of Gamaliel. He didn't give his resume about being circumcised on the eighth day. He didn't give his resume about being a Pharisee, but he gave his resume about his suffering in 2 Corinthians 11 and 23 through 29. As did the other apostles. You read Acts chapter 5, uh, Acts uh, 5 through 8. Read it for yourself. And Paul, he was quite explicit in saying this was to be expected by everybody who follows Christ. In the Bible, suffering and opposition are a normal part of the Christian life. You got to understand that. And so this comfortable experience of Christians here in the West has actually been an anomaly in this regard. Because the Christians, because of the Christian heritage of Western civilization, combined with the democratic freedoms that we have and the historic rule of law that we are accustomed to, Westernized Christianity and Western Christians have been mostly left alone for our faith. Y'all know it. Even today, uh, Western nations become increasingly post-Christian and even anti-Christian. Yeah, the opposition experienced by most of us is mostly mockery. They mock us. That's about all the uh, wear a mask. That's about all the, 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 the uh, opposition we get right now. But let me tell you something, baby. It's signs. The signs, the writing is on the proverbial wall. Yeah, this protected status is changing by the minute. And if it continues to do so, we simply, uh, it, it, it's going to put Western Christians, all of us, in the same boat as our brothers and sisters all over the world. Right now today, uh, is in, 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 in the Islamic countries, in the Hindu countries, communist, communist parts of the world, being a follower of Jesus means, at best, you're going to lose your job. You're going to be rejected by your family. And at worst, it can mean you're going to be thrown into prison. You're going to be beat and you're even going to be killed. Oh, yeah. And these things are being experienced by believers all over the world right now by our brothers and sisters in Christ. So people have been given uh, a, 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 a realistic sense of what it means to follow Jesus and who those who have counted up the cost make much better and stronger and steadier disciples. Are y'all hearing me? I'm about, I'm about finished. Now, how do we prepare for the reality of suffering as believers? I'm trying to get you ready. How do we prepare for it? So what you need to do first, if you're a minister of any kind of worker in the faith, you need to examine your own heart and you need to search for any sense of entitlement that you have. We got a terrible problem that we think we own something. 
we got a bad, bad sense of entitlement. We got to get rid of that because that's not going to fare. We're not going to fare well when the fire is lit. Are you hearing me? Paul, okay, y'all, y'all, Paul told Timothy that he needed to be prepared to share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. You can read it for yourself in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. And so they'll do this by cultivating different things um, against us, right? But we got to concentrate long and hard on the surpassing knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Philippians 3 and 8 says, who is better, more valuable, and more delightful than anything we lose by following Christ? Yeah. Also, we need to share the gospel the way Jesus did. How did he do it? By making the cost of discipleship clear. We've been telling folk lies. Get saved. All your problems don't go away. Get saved. Um, are you going to magically get a mansion and a house and a spouse? No, man, you need this. We got to start telling people the truth. People who have been given a realistic sense of what it means to follow Jesus and who have counted up the costs, right, make much uh, stronger disciples. Amen? Unless we fear that such a sobering presentation of the gospel will keep people from being saved, we need to realize two things. First, we are offering Jesus, not a cozy water bed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus is much better than all the good things of this world combined. When you read the book of Hebrews in chapter one, he begins to tell you Jesus is much better than the angels. Jesus is much better than Moses. Jesus is a is a is a much better high great high priest. Jesus is better than it all, right? Next, it is the power of the Holy Spirit that draws people to Jesus, not your brand. <laughs> not our branding. It's the power of Holy Spirit that draws people to Jesus Christ. Amen. Next, we need to we, we have to include the subject of suffer, of suffering uh, in our immediate follow-up with new believers, with babes in Christ. We got to get them ready. We got to prepare them to suffer. You know, that's one of the big things that cause people to turn away when they get saved because they ain't been prepared for suffering. Y'all told them about they're going to get the pie in the sky, but they need to know that uh, some of this pie ain't got no crust in it. <laughs> so followers of Jesus uh, shouldn't be surprised or caught off guard by suffering. We got to learn how to endure suffering without compromising our integrity. They got to learn how to love the people that persecute us. It's, they got to learn it. It ain't no overnight thing, but you got to learn how to love people that persecute you and pray for their welfare, right? You can't be trying to clap back. You can't be trying to take revenge. I had to learn it. It took years, but I learned it. We got to trust God in the middle, in the midst, in the middle of our suffering and respond by proactively doing good works. First Peter 4 and 19. Read it for yourself. And, and we got to use our experiences of suffering as a springboard or a basis for comforting the other saints who might be suffering. And we got to fix our eyes on Jesus. Amen. 
Remember, in uh, 1 Peter 4 and 13, we are commanded to rejoice. We got to rejoice as we share Jesus' sufferings. I ain't talking about suffering for your foolishness. I'm talking about suffering when they persecute us for the faith. Amen. So as followers of Christ, we don't rejoice in suffering because we enjoy pain. We rejoice in suffering because Jesus is so worthy in our eyes and in our hearts that we are so excited and we're so elated to be identified with him. All suffering is temporary. We got to remember that. If you don't remember anything I said tonight, remember all suffering is temporary. It's not worth comparing with the glory that's waiting on us. Amen. And so in that place of glory that awaits us, all pain and suffering will be gone forever. I love y'all, man. Listen to this. Share this with somebody. Share this with somebody. Like the page. Share this. And go back and go through it. Look at the scriptures. Get ready because it's coming. It's coming, family. And we got to be ready. Amen. Amen. Endure hardships as a good soldier in Jesus Christ. I love you with the love of the Lord. Amen. Thank you.